Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Carlos Gifoni. Carlos is the writer of the upcoming Dark Horse comic book, Strayed, which launches this Wednesday, August 21st, as well as Space Riders Vortex of Darkness for Black Mask. He's also a video games producer who has worked on different video games and creative production roles for 14 years. And he's also a musician, label owner, and festival curator and organizer. Carlos, that's a lot of different jobs and roles. And <laughs> Well, thanks for having me. And yes, I, I think uh, sleeping is quite boring, so I'd like to, uh, <laughs> to keep busy as much as I can. Sounds like it. So my first question is always, where are you in the world right now? I used to live in uh, Brooklyn for 12 years, but I have been in LA now for the last almost seven years. Uh, this, uh, this November, it will be seven years since I moved to LA. So I mentioned in my bio, all the things that you do. It's a lot of things. So would you mind kind of summarizing in your own words, what your primary role is right now? I imagine it's working on Strayed, which comes out this week. What about all these other things? How do you describe yourself to someone you just meet? Yeah, sure. So Lately, my main focus has been writing this book straight, uh, which, like you said, comes out on uh, Wednesday, August 21st. I also have other writing projects uh, for comic books and a few other things. Uh, my day job, which is how I pay the bills, it's in video games. It's been the case for the last 13 years. So I have a, a job here in LA at a video game company. It's really large. And um, I've also been involved in music uh, since I was 13. I was raised a Catholic boy, so of course, by the time I was 13, I was singing in a punk band and rebelling against that. And I, since then, I've uh, got into experimental music, and I um, have been in different bands, played with a lot of uh, different people in that world, released a bunch of records. I, had a, I lived in New York for 12 years, and while I was there, I had my own label, No Fun Productions, and I curated an experimental music festival for six years and then i did an edition of it in sweden uh, that was called no fun fest and uh, a few other uh, places uh, but yeah that's uh, that's kind of who i am but lately i've been writing comic books specifically straight it's about an astral traveling cat i have two cats and i love them so as far as the actual theme of the episode obviously i want to talk comic book writing process we can use straight as the example you mentioned briefly what the plot of the comic is. Straight is about an astral traveling cat and its owner as the military industrial complex decides to use them to scout for new planets to colonize them. It's a great comic. I read it myself. But the concept itself is a little bit out there. You know, it's about an astral projecting cat. How did you come up with an idea <laughs> like that? <laughs> yeah. So like I mentioned, I have two cats. I, uh, a few years ago... I decided that I wanted to try my hand at writing comic books. Um, I had done some script writing since I moved to LA. Of course, I did some improv classes and some comedy writing classes and kind of didn't go anywhere, but I had the understanding of how to write a script from that. And once I got into comics again, 
I decided that it's something that I wanted to give a try. And I was just brainstorming different ideas. Uh, what is something interesting that I would like to read that I haven't seen yet in comics? And I was reading about this program that the CIA ran between the late 70s and the early 90s uh, that was called remote viewing. And they were basically trying to create astral projecting spies to spy on other countries. I'm not making this up. There's a documentation online that, that you can read that's declassified about it. It was completely unsuccessful. It didn't work. I imagine it ran for so long because it was very cheap to keep a few you know, guys or, or girls in a room trying to astral project somewhere. But that idea of the military kind of trying to create uh, those spies and just looking at my cat staring into space gave me the spark to be like, okay, what would happen if cats were actually able to astral travel and humans were to find out that they can do that? I think inevitably they would try to use them for, for some kind of gain. And then that was just kind of the, the seed that, that started my exploration into what straight would be. And why a cat? You mentioned you have a cat. Is there a reason that a dog could not uh, astral project? I, I think that um, dogs are very easy to read. <laughs> dogs are always telling you what they want, which is just a, they just want love and affection and constant attention. And I think cats have a little bit of more of a spaced out personality where they tend to do their own thing and they only let you know that uh, they love you when they feel like it. Um, so I felt like the personality of a cat, uh, it's a little more curious and a little more out there in a way that, uh, that made more sense to me. Um, I have two cats and yeah, there's many times where they're just staring in the distance, you know, whether they're looking out of a window or even into a wall. And um, so I think that, that made more sense to me than, than have it be another animal. If a dog was to astral travel, they would probably just astral travel to uh, play outside with other dogs. <laughs> or <laughs> not. They wouldn't be that curious to go out into outer space and look to see what's out there, I don't think. My next question is, uh, this is your first comic book. Tell us about the process for pitching that, getting that picked up. Your first comic is on Dark Horse, which is very impressive. How did you get to that point, especially right out the gate? Yeah, so um, it was a long process. Uh, I started working on Straight, or the basic idea of Straight, two years ago. And then I started to work on that, what the concept would be, what the story could be. Eventually, I hired an artist that didn't quite pan out. Then eventually I was able to get Juan Do, who's the artist in the book. And uh, once we had about eight pages of content, I put a proposal together and I started sending it out. So, you know, Dark Horse, as well as Image and other independent publishers have open submissions policy in, and you can email them stuff, right? Um, and I did all that and I had some success with certain publishers being interested. But uh, it, it didn't. Uh, I didn't actually hear from Dark Horse initially, and and I, that's totally understandable because since they have an open policy, they're a big publisher. They probably get hundreds of submissions all the time. So I started. Uh, the other thing I started to do was going to as many conferences as I could, and I had a printed version uh, first of the ten pages, but then eventually of the first issue once we were done with it, that I would show to other creators, to other writers, artists, etc. Um, just, you know, to, to see what they thought, to get feedback, but to also 
just get to know more people in the industry. Because like you said, this being my first comic book, I didn't really have that network of people that I could lean on. And uh, eventually, uh, I think this was my seven or eighth conference last year at San Diego Comic-Con. I went to a Dark Horse panel and I met editor Spencer Cushion, who was presenting at the panel. And I, had a, I found him at the floor later. I talked to him. I showed him straight. Um, he really liked the concept. He was familiar with, with Juan the artist. And uh, a few months later, I had a contract. But, you know, it took a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of time, a lot of effort. And uh, the thing about pitching a comic book is that you are basically never done. Like, I'm pitching it to you right now, and I'm pitching it to people listening to the podcast. I was pitching it earlier, like I said, to publishers. I had to pitch it to the artists to get the artists to work on it. You know, and then I have to pitch it to the marketing people <laughs> and to the different outlets. So, and, uh, you know, soon I'm going to go to New York Comic Con in a, in a few months and I'm going to be pitching it to everyone that I can. So it never ends. And you've been working, like you said, in video games leading up to this point. Why now? Why did you suddenly decide, I want to, you know, write and pitch a comic? Yeah. So um, <laughs> I've been working in video games for a while. And when I was in New York, particularly, so I'm originally, let's go back a little bit. I'm originally Venezuelan. And in Venezuela, uh, there's not a lot of access to comic books. So I grew up, and maybe there would be a few DC titles at the newsstand, maybe some Marvel later on, but uh, it just wasn't as present. Um, so for me, uh, music and video games was something that I could see that I have access to and that was easy to get into. So the, that put them uh, kind of first. Even though when I was a kid, I used to draw all sorts of like robots in my notebooks and make up little stories about them and name them and all that. So that didn't come till later. When I came to the, to the U.S. initially, I was going to college. I started to, to play in bands. And uh, once I moved to New York, I had a full time. And then I was playing in bands. I was, I was running a festival, running a label. So I didn't really have the time to do anything else. I got into comic books uh, again in, when I was in New York because I was dating someone that was reading Why the Last Man. Um, and that got me into looking into like Vertigo titles again. I was also reading manga, so I knew about Dark Horse from Berserk and other stuff they were publishing. But then I found out about things like Fear Agent and, and so on. And, and then I got interested into it again. But it wasn't until I was in L.A. a few years into being here that my life kind of stabilized enough for me to be like, OK, what is another thing that I really want to do? And comics was that, you know, I. The way I do music, it's very, it's a bit abstract and it's all about the feeling of it. And in a way, it's almost like I'm trying to tell a story without words when I do that. But I had this other need of telling, you know, actual stories that, that had a, um, a storyline, basically. And, uh, and comics felt like something that I was passionate about and that I, that I wanted to try out. And how do you decide once you've made the decision, okay, I'm going to write, pitch this comic and Dark Horse picks it up. How do you decide how many, how long the run is, whether it's a graphic novel, whether it's, you know, a short collection of comics? So, um, I mean, the, the way comic, the comic book market is out there today, it's really hard to get any publisher, almost no matter who you are. There's a few exceptions, of course, to commit to doing something super long, right? Um, because, you know, you never know how sales are going to go. And, and after the first issue, sales decline a little bit. Um, so I knew from the start that this being my first comic book, 
I had to tell a story that was self-contained. So I was always pitching it as either five issues or a, or a graphic novel, right? And, uh, you know, I also, I also wanted to actually get in comic book stores in, in individual issues. So I was really glad that we are able to do that. And then eventually we'll be collected as a graphic novel and it would, that would be released uh, sometime next year. So, yeah, it was a combination of trying to tell a story that, was, that felt like it was complete and what's uh, possible because of, of the current market. But that said, even though straight is five issues, I have ideas for, you know, at least 10 more issues. So if it does uh, really well, it's possible that, that we'll do more in the future. Now, the artist that you're working with is Juan Doe, is that correct? Yes. Who has worked on uh, multiple books for DC, Marvel, Aftershock. Juan's style is unique, full of energy and color. What was it like working with Juan and collaborating on Strayed? How did you get him to uh, agree to do the book in the first place? Yeah, Juan is uh, it's one of my favorite artists. I actually have a lot of his books on my, on my shelf. And um, when I first had the, the initial concept of Strayed and I had roughly an outline in the first few pages, I started to contact artists. And I was actually using Juan as a reference for the type of art that I wanted to, to have in Strayed and the type of energy that I want the, the different pages to contain. And I, I tried a few people out. And they just weren't quite right for the project. So I was actually frustrated um, because six months in, I only I didn't really have what I wanted for the for the project yet. And I, I knew that um, or I felt that that I there was something better out there. So I emailed one out of the blue. It was completely cold email. And I just happened to catch him right in between projects. He had an exclusive deal with Aftershock at the moment that I had just ended. And uh, he just, uh, he loved the idea of an astral traveling cat. And I think that got him hooked. Um, and he replied to my email with, within a few days. And then we got on the phone and we talked about the project for two hours, you know, about what, it, where it would go, what the art had to be like, um, and just to get to know each other. And uh, Juan, it's uh, also lived in New York for a while. And he's definitely someone that's very passionate about creative work and he's not someone that is just uh churning out stuff you know he's just really he puts his mind and his heart into what he's doing and i feel the same way about the projects that i work on particularly something like this that's that's creator owned so he he was on board after that conversation uh, and it's been amazing it's been like <laughs> finding like the brother that i never had in a way because we have a lot of things in common and, and the way we approach things, it's, it's similar. And, you know, he's also introduced me. Uh, we met at Heroes Con in North Carolina last year for the first time. And right away, you know, we, we hit it up. We have the same type of uh, humor. And he introduced me to a bunch of uh, artists that I, that I love. And he was able to get a few artists to do out covers that I was really excited about. So it's been great. It's been uh, really a, a magical thing. And the other thing, while working with him, and I think this is true of whenever you are doing a comic book, is that he, the, his visuals change the story. What I mean by that is that I have a few pages already written out, but once I started getting artwork from him, uh, my mind kind of started jumping to different places and be like, okay, I have to show, you know, more of Lou flying into space and as many worlds as I can. So like, you know, it's definitely a feedback loop and a collaboration that, that went back and forth. And then once Juan agrees to be on board, there's the two of you working on this comic. 
This is, I imagine, pre-pitch, or had you already had Dark Horse attached at that point? No, no, no. This was way before, way before Dark okay. Horse was attached. So once started working on it, I think it was January or, or February of last year, um, and uh, didn't get picked up by Dark Horse until about uh, August, September. So he was definitely on it uh, for a while. By the time we got picked by Dark Horse, actually, the first two issues were done and we were working on the third issue. We didn't know who was going to put it out. We had no idea. And like in the back of my mind, it's like, well, maybe we'll do a Kickstarter if it doesn't pan out. But I was also terrified of doing that because I have a full-time job and I have other things and it would just have been really hard to manage. But I, I believed in the book and there were, there were other publishers that were interested. They just weren't quite as high on our list of like people who we would like to work with. And so when Dark Horse got involved, that was a, that was a no-brainer for us, you know. Is it common to start working on the second issue or third issue prior to having a publisher on board? I think it depends on where you are. I think for a more for someone that is not their first book and has a, a few titles out there, it's more common that they can even get a pitch picked up by just, you know, creating a one page that describes what it is and maybe not even having an artist attached. I've heard of, of people that get uh, books picked up that way. For someone new like me, it makes sense that, hey, I'm coming to you as an unknown. So it makes sense to me that the more I had in the back, the more we had of the book ready to go, the more it would show that, hey, yeah, I'm a professional. I know what I'm doing. Uh, the book is coming. We're not going to be late. Uh, you know, trust us. So for me, it makes sense to keep going. I think most people, the, the least they do is, you know, six to ten pages before they, they can pitch. And most of the open submissions that are out there require, you know, five to six pages at least, um, along with, with descriptions and a synopsis of the story and all that. Um, but for me, I, I just felt so much momentum, too, when we got the first 10 pages done that uh, I just wanted to keep going. So I was just like, OK, here's the script for the full issue. Here's the script for number two. And we just we just kept going, you know. So I don't think it's that common for for someone to to be that far along before they get picked up necessarily, but it was the way it worked out for us. We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience Podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writer experience for your free audiobook. The Flickering Myth Podcast is a source for all of the weekly entertainment news that we could possibly be bothered to talk about. Tune in every Tuesday for a roundtable discussion featuring a host of Flickering Myth writers and contributors. You can find us on all your favorite podcatchers as well as right here at flickeringmyth.com, part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Alan Christian. I'm Gerald James. And I'm Lacey Day. And we host the Four Color Film Podcast. What do we do at the Four Color Film Podcast, Gerald? We watch and dissect every comic book-based film. Lacey, do you still like being here? Yeah, it's really great. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, and wherever else they have good podcasts and podcasts like these. You sound like a kidnapping victim. <laughs> you can find us also on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network at flickeringmyth.com, along with other great shows. Check us out and check them out, too. Thank you. Hell Zane. Hell Zane. Hell Zane. Tell us about the next steps after you guys agree to start working on the comic. Obviously, there's an initial outline process. Is that mostly just you or are you guys working together to come up with that outline? And what does it look like? Yeah, so, um, yes, it was basically uh, just me working on the on the outline. Uh, and I have also an editor that I brought on board, Chas Pangburn. Because being new to comics, he, he's someone that has experience in a few titles as editor, and he does some lettering, and he's done, done some stuff out there. Um, and I felt that, uh, you know, I, I kind of needed that to ground me and also have someone um, to look at it and make sure it wasn't just me thinking that that is good or not good, right? So having, like, that second set of eyes was, was really key. But uh, it, it was basically, um, for the proposal itself, I basically created a logline, which is a really short description of what the book is um and then uh what the story is about which is sometimes doesn't necessarily mean the same as the plot right um and then the actual plot of what's happening on each issue so that that breakdown of issue per issue what's happening is what i would call the outline and that got created um early on even before juan was in the project but that is in a word document and it's just in one page right um, and that changes a lot. That's kind of like a, it's it's kind of like having a map, but then you can take different routes and you can stop at a somewhere else and take the scenic route and all that. So um, it's not that it's not something that's written in stone. Um, and it, and it's uh, it just a paragraph description for each issue of what's going to happen. Then one was in the book, I had maybe the first uh, six or seven pages scripted. And it was very much like me on the writing and him on the visuals. We didn't necessarily collaborate on the story directly. But like I mentioned, once I started seeing his art, that definitely had a big influence in the kind of stuff that I, that I wrote. And, and it made the story evolve and change a lot. Tell us about that script. Are you Marvel Method or are you full script? <laughs> I know that can be a divisive question sometimes. Yeah, no, I actually, uh, whatever is necessary. <laughs> and uh, what I mean by that is that I have some pages on the book where there, it's very obvious that I need certain things to be seen, right? I'm, I'm someone that, uh, because of my background, I tend to think very visually. Uh, besides music stuff, I have an MFA and I, I, I'm just a, a very visual person. So um, there, there's certain pages and there's certain things that I need to happen, you know, and that I need to see and that need to move the story forward. So when that's the case, I go more full script. There are some cases of some of the spreads that we did. I think on issue one, there, there's a handful in the middle where there's a Louis having a nightmare and kind of retelling uh, some of his of his background story. And for that, I use more of a marble method where I was like, OK, here's the things that, that we should see here. Do your thing <laughs> to one. And when you do something like that, that's Marvel Method, I think it, you have to have a lot of trust on the artist. And of course, having one on the book made me 
able to do that. So it's a, it's a combination. I think on every issue, we have a little bit of both, depending on, on what makes sense. There are times when I felt that uh, one being the expert on, on visual storytelling, I just, you know, kind of gave him the, um, the front seat in, into what the page should look like. And then once the book is picked up, obviously, you said you had a few issues before Dark Horse signed on. What's the role of Dark Horse from an editing perspective? You said you had your own editor, Chaz. So they have been really amazing to work with in the sense that they pretty much given us like carte blanche into uh, doing whatever we want with the book. So it is really a creator own story. There's been some some times when they've had like some minor notes and like, hey, maybe we should, uh, you know, remove this caption here or, or whatever, like minor notes like that, that I think have brought some improvements, but uh, they've never had um, any major changes or, or editing notes that that change everything. They really, you know, the scripts and the art came in before they saw the scripts. So it's not like they were editing the scripts or anything like that. Um, so that that has been great. The major role, the editor there is, uh, you know, has been really like to plan the schedule out of like, hey, this is when things need to happen, um, find opportunities for, hey, what else can we do with this book? Are there only other things that Dark Horse can do? And so on. But yeah, a lot of the scheduling, making sure things go to print, they come back right, making sure the design for the internal pages gets done. Um, so a lot of more of the production stuff that happens around a book is what uh, the editor has taken on, as well as helping me find ways to hype it to to people, you know. And tell us about the other folks involved. I know there's someone doing lettering, Matt. Yeah. As well as, is there a colorist besides Juan? And then also, I know there's a big lineup of cover artists as well. So tell us kind of about those different people and how they factor in. Yeah, sure. So um, Matt Crotzer is the letter, and uh, he actually designed the logo as well, based on an idea that me and Juan were throwing around. And um, the way I got in touch with Matt is he had done a book for Image that was titled Redcon. And I really like the way he letters, uh, where each individual almost feels like they, they have some personality added to the captions and, and the bubbles of what they're saying. Uh, and he's also very good at doing like uh, sci-fi feeling uh, effects on it. So when I saw his work, I felt like he was a perfect person for the book. So he was actually involved even before Juan was involved in the book, because when I was trying out different artists, I already had Matt on board. Then, like I mentioned, Chas Pangborn was our uh, independent editor that helped a little bit with the on the editing side and the copywriting and that sort of thing. And then uh, we were able to get a really amazing lineup of artists to do um, alternative covers. So every issue will have a cover, um, a second cover, and it's not like a, a limited thing that it, you know you can only get after a number of issues for for each store. Is something that you can order directly as well, because I wanted to make sure both covers were available to everyone. So for the first issue, we have the Huando cover. Then we have Dustin Wen, who has done Descender for Image Ascender, Gotham Academy stuff for DC, and, and he's all watercolors, and he did a, a really beautiful cover for the first one. For the second one, we have Jim Mafood, <laughs> who is a, a really wild uh, artist. Uh, he's, he has uh, this title called Girl Scouts, uh, which is an image. But he's also, he did some concept for the Spider-Verse uh, movie. And, uh, and he's just a, a really amazing artist. So he's doing the cover, the alternative cover for the second one. 
For the third one, we have Alexis Zert, which is uh, an artist from Miami who I'm working with on another book called Space Writers. And his art, it's almost like uh, very psychedelic, almost like black light looking, uh, even when there's no black light very curvy, inspire. And then for the fourth one, we have Mateo Scalera, who's the artist of Black Science. And it's also, he has also done covers for everyone, I feel like. And his, his artwork, it's also really beautiful and detailed and rendered in a way that you don't see often. And then for the fifth issue, the cover, the alternative cover artist is Sanford Green, doing a bit of root for Image, and he did Power Man for DC, and uh, he's been around and doing amazing work for a while, and it's someone that I admire as well. And then the only other cover there is, it's uh, for issue one, there's a special direct order Dark Horse cover that's limited to, I think, 250 that comes with a, with a high-quality print that's made by Christian Ward. And, uh, you know, Christian Ward of Odyssey, and uh, he's done some Marvel stuff as well. And, and his art, it's also very colorful and psychedelic. And uh, I was really glad that we were, we got that extra one at the end. Going back to the pitch itself, because I know that our listeners would be very curious to know kind of what that process really looks like. Is there an art to the pitch? And would you be able to pitch us, the audience, on this comic, and, and how do you use a pitch to really sell somebody on your book? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I have different versions of it. So the short version is straight, it's about an astral traveling cat that will have to save the galaxy. That's the shortest I can do, right? So that gives you the understanding right away that there's a cat, there's a galaxy in there, so it's probably uh, some sci-fi theme to it, and so on. The other way I pitch it is straight, it's about a cat that can astral travel and his loving owner Kiara who's a genius scientist who makes a device that can read his brain waves and translate them into speech the military starts to use them to find other planets and colonize them they do not know that that's what they're being used for but they're going to find out and that's where a story begins so those are kind of like the two ways that I, that I have to to pitch the book and then uh, beyond the the Pitching it verbally, um, like I mentioned, I had those 10 pages originally, then I had issue one. So when I came up to people at conferences, when I come to editors, when I email publishers, I had something visual to show. Beyond that, there's also the documentation that I mentioned before. And this is a one, I kept it to one page, actually. And what it has is the logline, which is like two sentences that describe what the book is, a section on comparable titles. So what readers of other books or other media would like to consume this this comic book as well. Um, so, you know, that's where you mentioned things like maybe Saga, Star Wars, like and anything like that that feels like people that are interested in that would also like your book. Then I had a section that was the breakdown issue per issue, just one paragraph per issue, as as succinct as you can, as condensed as you can, so that people can read it in one go and get the idea of what the story is going to be about. And then finally, what I had on that page was a section that was called what the story is really about. And in the case of Straight, it is a, a couple of things, right? There's the astral traveling cat, there's the, the, the space exploration, and that's the fun, visually exciting stuff. But it's also very much about, you know, the way humanity has been fighting each other for a long time. What I mean by that is through colonization, wars, we've, we've seen a pattern in our history um, that hasn't been great. 
And I imagine that if we go and start um, exploring space deeper, once we find planets with a lot of resources, I imagine that we'll do the same thing that happens during colonization, where we're going to say, oh, those, those things are not alive, they're savages, uh, they're, they're, you know, they're less than human, and that uh, it, you know, gives people the right to take advantage of them. And we've done that to ourselves many times. So it's something that I explore in the book. And then the other theme that I explore, it's that relationship that a human and their pet can have and how that love um, you know, can overcome <laughs> anything, uh, basically. And you've worked on video games. You're also a musician, a label owner, a festival curator, organizer. Is there any correlation between those things and writing a comic? How do they all tie in? Yeah, so I, I believe uh, a comic book, being very visual, it has some uh, components that are, that are similar to music. And what I mean by that is, there's spacing, right? Like the number of panels you put on a page, the number of pages uh, give you both uh, a length, but also the pacing of how fast you get through everything, where you decide to uh, put, let's say, like a splash page that feels like the same as a big moment in a song, right? That type of thing. So I think there's structurally some similarities about how you think about uh, structure, a music track and structuring comic book. The other aspect of it is that I'm actually creating a soundtrack or straight, and I'm writing uh, uh, 20 minutes of original music per issue, which uh, will be available um, on my Bandcamp for free to stream every time an issue comes out. So yeah, everything. And when when I was working on the book, I also had different music that I, that I was uh, using to get my mind in the right place. And me and Juan, the artists, were actually trading music back and forth. So yeah, music is very important for me. Uh, and it's something that I wanted to uh, inject into the straight experience as well, which is why we have that soundtrack that will happen with each issue. Besides that soundtrack, once the comic book is out and you're promoting it, I know that artists go to Comic-Cons to promote. How important is that? What's the art of it? How do you really get out there and push your book? Yeah, so th that is super important, not only for Comic-Cons, but also to go to comic book stores. So I already went to San Diego Comic Con and we did a uh, did a panel with Dark Horse there, and I also uh, did a signing with Dark Horse, and I was really surprised there because the book hasn't come out, so I was expecting total crickets when I did the signing. You know, I didn't expect anyone to show up, but the panel happened right before it, and uh, we had Gabriel Ba and his brother, which are the artists on uh, Umbrella Academy, as well as Philip Sevi, who's done uh, a bunch of books for Dark Horse. So the panel was packed with people, and they saw. I think whenever someone sees the cover of Straight, they uh, they tend to immediately get interested. <laughs> so I had a lot of people came from the panel straight to my signing. So I had a line of people to sign, even though the book wasn't out, and I was just signing, uh, uh, you know, little posters, uh, and and they wanted to talk about it and, and know more about the book. So that was really exciting. And I'm going to New York Comic Con, and again, I'll be doing. Uh, some panels and, and some, some signings and stuff. I've also applied already to Emerald City and to C2E2 for next year. And hopefully if I get a table, then I'll be able to, to interact with people and sell the book directly and talk to them about it. Because, you know, like it, it's really easy to get isolated and think, okay, I'm just writing this story and it's for me. But the reality is that you're putting out there for other people and in my opinion, you need to be open to like communicating with them and, and get people excited and all that. And you can do some of that on social media, but doing it face to face is really 
I think the best way to do it. So I'm going to get out there to as many conferences as I, as I can. And uh, in some cases, that's through the publisher. Like I mentioned, they usually have slots for for signings and for for panels and stuff like that. And then the other aspect is that you yourself can just you know get to a con, try to get a table, try to get on a panel from someone else. Um, panel submissions are open. So if you have an idea for a panel, that's another way that you can try to put something together and, and propose it. But I think especially for comic books, which is such a, a direct market in a way where people still go to the comic book store to get each issue when they're single issues. I think it's, it's very important to have that. And another thing I did early on was I actually visited as many stores as I could locally. So here in LA, I went to about 18 stores. I gave them some postcards to give to people. I talked to them about what the book was about. Um, and I'm doing three signings during the week of release. So uh, this Wednesday, August 21st, I will be signing at Idaho, Santa Monica from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then I'm going to be at a shop called Quest in downtown from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. And then on the Saturday, I'm going to be an Enjoy in Northridge. Uh, I think it's a, from 11 to, uh, to 2 or something like that. So yeah, you got to get out of there. Carlos, are you ready for what we call a series of seemingly random questions? I don't know if I'm ready because it's still morning time, but I'm going to do it. Hit me. <laughs> All right. If you could choose any writer, living or dead, to uh, take to any fast food restaurant, which writer, which restaurant, and why? Oh, wow. Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, I think uh, I think a couple people come to mind. Um, but I think Neil Gaiman is someone that I am uh, really interested in because, say, Sandman is one of the most uh, amazing comic books ever, uh, stories ever made. Uh, it was influential for me and for many others, and I think it changed the way that comics could be made. Uh, but also, he's been successful in, like, you know, moving into TV and doing some film work and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he's also great at speaking about. Uh, the craft of writing. So I think he's someone that I would be interested in, in taking out. I'll probably take him to my favorite sushi place uh, because that would be my favorite place to go to. And uh, it's, uh, it's a nice environment and, and it'll be, uh, I think it'll be a nice long meal <laughs> where we'll be able to discuss uh, writing uh, in depth. The next question, comfort foods can sometimes help writers to combat writer's block do you have a comfort food that helps you get through hard times or any other uh, technique that helps you get through a writer's block? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, <laughs> there is, uh, I, live, uh, I live near the beach. Um, so the beach helps me a lot. Sometimes some weekends, some uh, Saturday or Sunday, I'll go and I just lay on the beach and like read and, and try to think about, um, you know, the story that I'm working on. So that helps but I also drive through through the canyon sometimes, and I go to to the supermarket that's up in the valley that has. I'm celiac actually, so I cannot eat gluten. But they do this amazing gluten free fried chicken, uh, and they also do a mac and cheese uh, that uh, it's amazing. Uh, and they also do uh, uh, buffalo cauliflower, which is the spicy fried cauliflower. And I, <laughs> I tend to go get that. Uh, and two things help me there. The food, for sure. A lot of carbs, a lot of energy. But also the drive through the canyon, because it's a really beautiful drive and, uh, you know, gets my mind going. 
Next question. Are you a morning writer or are you a night writer? I am and whenever I can writing <laughs> writer. Uh, what I mean by that is that there's days where I, if I wake up early, I try to wake up early, I can do some writing in the morning, but I have a day job and sometimes, uh, you know, I have to be there. And if I get out early of my, of, out of my day job, then I can do some, some writing at night. But mostly I think the, the safest is to find me writing on the weekend because I don't have to go to work. But whenever I can squeeze hours, whether it's morning or nighttime, I do it. Next question. What motivates you to keep creating and writing every day? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I think uh, a couple of things. I think it's just for comic books specifically, uh, whenever I get that artwork come back, whenever I see art being created for the thing that I'm working on, that is extremely motivating and keeps me going. And then the second uh, aspect of it is, like I mentioned before, getting out there and see the reaction of people, see that um, the story uh, touches other people. I've, I've sent a few advanced copies to other creators and they've talked about it in social media. And just seeing that, that is having an effect on other people that this story that I wrote because I needed to and that I wrote mostly for myself, it's actually touching other people. I think that's the, the biggest motivator that that can be. My next question is a question we ask every episode. If you could choose one learning or insight from your career that you would pass along to the aspiring comic book writers out there, what would you say? You're going to fail a lot, <laughs> and that is okay. Uh, I had another pitch before straight, actually, that didn't get picked up. And, um, you know, I applied to many jobs before I was able to get into video games, and I had to pitch straight a lot you know, for over six months before he got picked up. So don't give up, you know, like just keep going, keep going, do it because it's something that you love to do um, and do the best you can, you know, keep trying, keep getting better. And uh, eventually things will happen. But I think you need to be, you know, unstoppable, <laughs> indestructible in a way and be able to understand that, hey, you fall down, you learn from it, you get up and you keep going. Tell us what's on the horizon. I know, obviously, Strayed issue one comes out this Wednesday, August 21st from Dark Horse. But tell us about your other projects. I know you've got Space Riders, Vortex of Darkness coming up with Black Mask. And then what else even past then, maybe five years down the road, can we expect? Yeah, so uh, there's some stuff I can't talk about. But uh, I have a, a short uh, story that's coming on a Top Cow Anthology, I believe that sometime next year with artist Andrea Muti, and that's uh, just a wild sci-fi story, and it's, it's a short eight-page story. I also have two other projects that I'm currently developing. Uh, one, it's a sci-fi story um, that is very self-contained and that I'm talking to a few publishers about right now, so hopefully um, you can hear about it in the next few months. And uh, I'm also working on uh, something that's a little bit more cyberpunk uh, with a new artist that I'm really excited about. So definitely more comic books coming. I'm also writing, uh, I'm also working on the side when I have time on a, on a script for something for TV. But, you know, that, that is probably many years away. And uh, it's not like I have a deal for it or anything. But uh, definitely more comic books that will get announced uh, in the future. And Carlos is at Carlos Gifoni. The last question, Carlos, is a very important one. Did you have fun today? <laughs>
Yeah, this is great. I had a really good time. I think the, the questions were, uh, were perfect. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited. I'm so happy right now because the comic book is coming this Wednesday. So uh, I think this is the last podcast that I, that I get to do before it comes out. And uh, I'm just really excited about everything. And uh, yeah, this is wonderful. Awesome. Well, for those listening, please check out Straight Issue 1 coming out this Wednesday, August 21st from Dark Horse. Carlos, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate your insights and your time. Thank you. This was a blast. And thank you to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.